welcome to the Provoking Minds podcast brought to you by KU Professional Learning. My name is Laurie Hislop and before we start I would like to acknowledge the Darug people as the traditional owners and custodians of this land on which I am on today. I also acknowledge all those joining us from the traditional lands of other Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples. I'm here today with Fran Bastian and we want to share with you our memories of books from our childhood. Hi Laurie and hi everyone and thanks for joining us here today. Fran, I have been tidying up my bookshelves. I've been sorting and rehoming some of my books. Books I'll never read again or reference, but the books that hold the greatest memories, the books that I can't let go of, are the books of my childhood. They are the books that will continue to have a place in my heart and a place on my bookshelf. Uh, Growing up, we had lots of books and being read to was a part of our bedtime ritual. Books were important. And I love those little books, the ones you could really easily hold in your hand. I loved Winnie the Pooh and the golden books. And it was a treat to come back from the supermarket with a golden book. I love the repetition. I think I can. I think I can. But probably I loved most the time together with my parents reading to me. I'm one of four children, but story time was usually one-on-one. And and I loved that. What about your memories, Fran? Fran? Oh, Laurie, your rich reminiscences gave me pause to remember the rituals and traditions around storytelling and story sharing that were unique to our family. Like uh, many families, my brother and I enjoyed a bedtime ritual of a tuck-in and a story, and my favourite came from a really heavy edition of Grimm's Fairy Tales. I loved Hansel and Gretel, and Rumpelstiltskin remains my favourite to this day. I was a little preoccupied with witches and goblins and such, as you can tell. But I also remember a very precious copy of Alice in Wonderland that had been my mother's. And as a child, I would often pore over these delicate illustrations while enjoying a tea party with my teddy and a crockery tea set, which was a gift from my grandmother, who I also cherished. I I love this image of delicate illustrations. I have just found a book that I have treasured and kept for over 50 years But what I'm fascinated by is that I don't ever remember reading this story. It's text heavy and lots of words in this. But for me, the book was all about the illustrations and I still find them the epitome of fantasy and I remember them clearly. That's the pictures I remember. I have no record of the story at all. You know, that makes me wonder about the importance of illustrations when you're just too little to read. I love the way they can draw children into the story. But as I think back, most of the magic was in the telling. And I know, Laurie, you have very strong feelings about how stories should be told. Uh, That's true. I love the telling of a story. And in the webinar series that we deliver about the power of the book, my focus is on the delivery of actually reading a book or telling a story. For me, books are so important. The books you choose to read, but delivery of a story is also important. You have to tell the story well. So whether I'm reading to an audience of one or a hundred, I'd read with the same enthusiasm. I might change the volume of my voice, but the delivery would have the same energy. You see, we all have a voice and we can use it to really bring a story to life or not. But it doesn't just happen. You have to practice and experiment with your voice to see just what it can do. And in the webinar series on the power of the book, we play with pitch, pace, pause, volume, emphasis and intonation because these are the tools, the the speech tools that we can use to bring our voice to life. 
this also makes me think about what is now available on digital platforms with many famous actors and professionals stepping into this space. These actors really know how to tell a story well. But what about digital books? Oh, well, Laurie, as you know, I find I sit a little bit on the fence when it comes to books and technologies. You know, not so long ago, I was facilitating a, a professional learning session in early literacy, and I was absolutely gobsmacked when a participant volunteered that the centre she worked in no longer offered books to infants or toddlers, and they relied solely on iPads, and of course, access was then totally teacher-directed. I was just alarmed. I was so disappointed for these little people sharing that space. I wonder what the real cost of that decision might be. I wonder what's being stolen from those children, like the right to choose a book, to hold and manipulate it, to flip and turn the pages, to go back and forward seeking out favourite characters and illustrations, visiting and revisiting the story, and maybe the opportunity to take favourite characters to bed or even home to share with the family. You know, what messages are being communicated to these children and others about their agency, their competence and their social capabilities? I do respect the growing potential of living in an age of new technologies and all that that may bring. However, I think this is a space for both and and not either or. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I love this idea of both and rather than either or. Let's explore that a little later. I think there is definitely a place for digital books. My family used to drive to Queensland every year, often a few times a year, and the back seat would be filled with books. My daughter in particular was a fast reader, and there was sometimes hardly room for her and her brother once all the books were packed in the back seat. Just the books she needed for the 12-hour drive there, the books for the drive home were in the boot. Having digital books for times like this would have been very convenient. Books for travelling or in waiting rooms. When you wanted to take more books than you could reasonably fit in your carry-on luggage, if we ever even need carry-on luggage again. But while I think there is a place for digital books, there is no substitute for a real book. And especially with children's picture books, the digital market hasn't yet really caught up with traditional books. And the quality of digital books, for me, isn't quite there yet. The fabulous thing, just as you said before, we don't have to choose either or. We can have a both-and approach to books. Traditional with a few digital, or better yet, make your own digital books. But that is for another podcast. Larry, what would um, you suggest would be the right way about going and choosing, you know, the right books? I see. I think choosing books is the fun part. And I'd start by choosing something that appeals to you. You have to read it. So maybe start with something that you enjoy. It makes it so much easier to read and reread. And this rereading is important. Children's literature is not like reading a novel. I used to read the same book every night to my daughter for a week, not because I had no other book to read, but because that's what she wanted. And parents who read regularly to their children will tell you they can't miss a page. The children know the story too well. And this is a great thing. The children become familiar with the story. The relationship develops between reader and listener. The understanding of the story grows and, and a culture of valuing literature grows. So 
Find authors you love and read everything they write. Look out for Mem Fox or Pamela Allen or Alison Lester or someone else fabulous. And then consider different types of literature. Different things appeal to different children. My son loved factual books. And I understood that he loved looking at books about trains and planes and trucks, but he loved a book about bananas. And I struggled to even look at the pictures in this book, but he loved it. And it has taken me a long time, or it took me a long time to realise that he just loved bananas. As a two-year-old, if he was at daycare and I hadn't packed a banana, he'd take someone else's. You see, sometimes it's not about the book. So take a broad perspective when choosing books. Look to great authors, but also look for topics that interest the child or interest you. And then think about how you can stay up to date with new or new to you books. Your favourite bookstore or library is a great place to start. Next to our office is um, a fabulous bookshop. And on one of my very first visits, I was delighted to discover a collection of stories exhibited proudly and under the banner of staff favourites. Um, I was really quite familiar with most of those books. I'd enjoyed either as a child or as a teacher. And this to me was an invitation to get to know the staff, an invitation to understand how they felt about childhood and how they felt about early childhood literature experiences. And I wonder if this is a practice we could encourage in our centres. Can we create a space that honours staff and family memories of literature from childhood or even current family favourites? Could this encourage diverse literature offerings, sharing aspects and interests of family cultures, and perhaps building and strengthening strong connection between family, friends and the centre? I also think that educators must advocate for good quality literature. And as you always suggest, Laurie, anything with a medal is a pretty good place to start. These books with medals and awards really do stand the test of time. You know, I think about the compilation of stories that were savoured by children in my early years of teaching. Books like Madeline, Caps for Sale and Millions of Cats. I remember the repetition in that. Hundreds of cats, thousands of cats, millions and billions and trillions of cats. There was also some real surprises, like a sausage went for a walk one day, which was an absolute favourite of a group of two-year-olds for a whole year. I remember fondly intimate sharing of very carefully chosen books with my own daughter and how many of these books still hold pride of place on my bookshelf. She's now a high school English drama teacher and she's retrieved these well-loved books to share with her own students, many of whom have had very different early childhood experiences from her own. She readily offers these as a way to connect, a way to help develop a love of books to help students sometimes share their feelings and experiences. And I guess it's a way of sharing a legacy of storytelling and story sharing that has helped shape who she is. And Fran, don't forget poetry. My daughter can still recite poems that she heard as a three-year-old. Bertie had a beetle, a big black beetle too, and Bertie, being brave and bold, said, Boo, beetle, boo. We still laugh at the memory of that poem and her retelling of it. 
it's a shared experience that has become part of the culture of our family and similar stories can become part of the culture of your early learning centres. Oh, my mother loved poetry too and would often burst into a recitation of poetry with my brother and I as a captive audience. And even now hearing a bush ballad makes me smile. These memories come flooding back in an instant with a real and raw emotive tug. Big feelings of connection and relationship, both with the people I love and with stories and characters that were bold and adventurous. I love the shared memories of stories. I was named after a character in a book that my dad was reading when I was born. Laurie was the sister of Henri de Balzac in Wine of Life, and my dad thought she was wonderful. He wasn't so impressed with Henri, but he can still remember all the details of the story and how I got my name. And as a family, we still pack food for the journey, just like the teddy in Whatever Next. And my children have become great storytellers and still remember the joy of reading stories and falling in love with books. Well, that's all for today's episode of Provoking Minds, brought to you by KU Professional Learning. Thanks for listening and thank you, Fran, for joining me today. In this short time together, we have been reminded of the importance of books and literature and how the memories of stories remain long after the story is told. I encourage you to choose a variety of books from great authors and remind you it's important not to just read the story, but to read it well. If you haven't registered for the upcoming webinars on the power of the book, make sure you go to the professional learning section on ku.com.au and register now. I hope you join us again for our next podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode.